Today we have Pastor Micah Dalby joining us. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Micah, he and his wife Reese are the lead pastors up at Missoula Alliance Church up on the hill. And uh, they have six children. So they're lead pastoring a church and have six kids. And so they're very full. Uh, life is life to the fullest. And Reese is the kids pastor. Yes, they got a few things going on. Um, I just want to say uh, to you guys that uh, the Dalby's and Missoula Alliance Church again, behind the scenes, have been so instrumental in Anchor Church existing today. Um, the personal encouragement, love, and support we've received from them, but also the way that they have encouraged our church. Uh, we've also been able to witness their love and engagement and service to the Missoula community. When I, I look at the type of church I would like Anchor to become and the way that they, we would outreach and love and invest in the needs of our community, uh, MAC is who I look to. They are such an incredible example of not just being internally focused but helping serve the, the needs of our community. They are the best of the best and so grateful for the example that they set. Also, specifically for us, when we were just praying about launching a church, they opened up their chapel for free and let us come have prayer meetings and, and consider there. They have donated a, a room in their, their facilities for Anchor Church's offices. And they even put up a sign that says Anchor uh, in one of their rooms. And they donated a new couch recently to us. Uh, they, they, they're incredible. We uh, today in Anchor Kids are going to be distributing some Advent packages. The, this all came together because Reese got a hold of me and says, hey, we're doing this up at our church. We've got some extra packets already paid for, put together. Would you guys like to just be gifted this? And we're like, yes, please. Um, so all of that, what looks like we have our stuff together for, for our ministries today, it's because Mac is so kind, so generous, so thoughtful, and have just given this to us. Uh, and this, this culture that they have, not only something that we look up to and benefit from, uh, but it is, it's something that is in their culture because it is the culture of the Dalby's. Um, I'll just give you one last example. Uh, when we were just getting rolling as a church, uh, some of you were there when we were meeting Sunday afternoons in the NAS, like we were just getting things put together. Um, the Dalby's, uh, they would pastor their church in the morning, do two services up at Mac, kids ministry, everything. Uh, and then go after church. They'd take whatever time they could with their six kids and then would come back to Anchor at the NAS and serve in our kids' ministry. Serve. Like go back there and wipe noses and do crafts. The lead pastors of an established church come serving a hopeful church plant's kids' ministry in the afternoon when there's every reason not to. Uh, it's just that, that's the heart of, of Micah and Reese, and that's why they're building such a phenomenal church that we are so privileged to be a part of, and uh, so grateful for, for you guys' love and support and encouragement. So, uh, I could go on and on, but we're going to stop there and hear from Micah. Church, we are so indebted to them. Would you please stand to your feet, welcome, honor, and celebrate Pastor Micah. Wow. Uh, I feel honored um, on multiple levels and, and such gracious words. Thank you, Kyle. And uh, we do love you guys. Uh, God is doing an amazing work here that is, is obvious on many levels from the outside, on the inside, in the, in the lives of people, in the ministries, the way God is providing your heart for other churches in the city. There's so many things that I could, uh, could talk about. Um, I did want to share, yes, we... Uh, Kyle already shared that, that my wife and I are here. We have six kids, and I moved here about 16 years ago to be part of a church plant. Um, my wife uh, grew up here. Her 
family grew up here. She's a Missoula native. And, um, but we've been at Mac for about 11 years now. And I wanted to say a little bit too, I, I have had a desire for almost 20 years of being in, a, in official church ministry, uh, a strong desire for unity between churches. And, and not just getting together every year, every other year at a big event to say we're officially unified, um, but the sense that we are genuinely for each other. I want you to succeed. And, and, I, and I recognize this is not about me building my reputation or my church. It's about the gospel of Jesus and his name being greater in the city and in the world. And, and I can honestly say um, I feel that with, with a couple different churches in Missoula right now. I think God is doing something, um, unifying his church. But the center of this experience, at the center of this experience for me is, is this church, is Anchor Church. And Kyle and, and your team, um, just this sense of mutual honor for one another, and we want each other to succeed. Um, so I, I'm just so grateful. This is a verse. I have to share this. Kyle and his team have probably heard this multiple times, but I'm going to share it with y'all. Uh, Philippians 1 verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I love that, that the joy comes to the fact that I'm not about myself. This doesn't hinge on me. If I go away, Jesus is still here. Um, but it also hinges on the fact that I'm not alone in this. This, this isn't just me trying to make this thing happen. There's so many different parts of the body. You know, we tend to think of the body in sort of maybe each church name, but, but then there's multiple churches that function as part of the body. You zoom out, and, and then there's like the worldwide body, you know? It's just, I just love that. And that, that would literally, when I think about that, um, joy, joy is the result. I had the opportunity to hop on and watch your one-year anniversary service. <laughs> And I just got to tell you, I'm going to be totally ripping some things off from you guys um, in, in a future service. The whole like five minute get up and tell what God has done. Uh, one person after another saying what God has done. What a testimony to the gospel uh, and the good news. And so that was, that was just really cool. And then I, I have to say, Kyle, your message with the anchor and the, uh, the anchor and the chain. I was like, this is where you need the praise hands emoji. Um, really, really, really powerful and good. Um, I, I do want to tell you one more thing here before I promise there is some substance here this morning that we will get into, but uh, Kyle, you may have known, came up to Mac and preached in August, and when I was emailing Kyle um, to, to ask if he would consider that, I, I hit send, and then right away had an email pop up in my inbox, and it's the, it's the kind of experience, you know, when you get the wrong um, email address, and it's like undeliverable, and it just immediately kicks it back at you kind of rudely, it's like, you're lame, um, but I, I clicked send, and right away this email popped up, and I was like, oh, that's weird, and it said Kyle Smith, and I was like, oh, yeah, it just kicked it back to me. <laughs> I clicked it, and it was an email from Kyle asking if I would preach at Anchor in November, <laughs> and it was like an eight-minute difference in the timestamp, and we were both like, whoa, what just happened? Um, but that, to me, is just a cool picture of, of the partnership that we have. So I am honored today to be with you to share something that would hopefully encourage and, and maybe even challenge you. Um, I have been part of two different church plants, one in Bozeman um, about 16 or 17 years ago, and then one here in Missoula about 15 years ago. And I remember the buzz of, of God doing a new thing. I remember the excitement of meeting new people and discovering new giftings and having people uh, discover the way that God has wired them and put them together and get involved and serve. But I also remember as the worship pastor at the time trying to get all of the speakers into the backseat of my Subaru. Um, 
I had a little white Subaru, and it, yeah, packing it all in and, and loading it in and loading it out and trying to find a place to meet, and, and I know it's not easy. Uh, but again, as I said earlier, God is so obviously working in this church and, and among you people. So I'm just very encouraged by you all, um, and frankly, look forward to getting to know some of you if I have the opportunity to. Um, but uh, so I was thinking about what to share with you guys, and there's this chapter in the Bible. I was thinking back of those church planning years for me personally and kind of getting back into those feelings. There's this chapter in those seasons that I clung to uh, that kept me anchored, if you will, in what was most important in the busyness of ministry life and life in general and all of the details. This chapter, I have notes in my Bible from that season that were so important for me um, and reminded me of what was important. So I thought I would just, we would just look at that chapter today. Uh, what I wanted to do is read through it in three sections and for each section make sort of sort of an exhortation, a statement summarizing um, what these words are saying in these three sections. And so I should probably tell you what chapter um, we're going to turn to. Everybody pick your own chapter. Go and read. No, we're going to go to Romans chapter 12. Uh, Romans 12, and maybe you hear that reference and, and maybe even know a verse in there. There's some well-known verses in this chapter. Uh, but again, we're going to look at these three, uh, these verses in three different sections and then have sort of a statement, a challenge that summarizes what Paul is saying. And I, I think it all centers around what does it mean to be a healthy person, a growing person, and ultimately, by extension, a growing and a healthy church? How do I keep that momentum going? Uh, so Romans 12, and before we read the first couple verses is where we'll start. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for your presence with us as we've already celebrated together. You are with us. The Lord is in this place. We thank you that we have your living word. And the reason your word is living and active is because you are the word. And you are living and active today. God, we, we open our hearts to you and our minds and our actions and our lives. God, we, we offer ourselves to you and say, speak into us change us, transform us. God, we don't want to leave the same way we arrived. So would you do your living and active work in us? In your name we pray. Amen. So Romans 12, um, first two verses is where we'll start today. Paul writes this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we're going to just put a pin in that for a second. This uh, first two verses, this first section deals with worship, and um, this is something that a lot of people would associate with simply the songs you sing on Sunday. And I love how um, Pastor Kyle has already talked about worship being more than just songs we sing. And in fact, this is an important expression of worship, of declaring God's worth and worthiness together. But worship is defined in this verse as offering yourself to God. And that's the first sort of exhortation for us today. Offer yourself to God. Now, it may sound obvious to say this because you're in church and you could almost say, well, isn't that what we're doing? I'm here. Like, I am offering myself to God. But I was reflecting on my experience personally, and, and I've experienced that in the busyness of life, in the busyness of, of ministry life, even what begins as this simple 
and, and, and sweet devotion to Jesus. I want to be with him more than anything else. I want, I want him more than anything else. Over time can shift into giving him some, some time on Sunday giving him some, some songs and, and giving him maybe some money that I feel like I should give or giving him some volunteer hours. And, and if I'm not careful over time, I can stop offering myself. And for me, I've found myself doing all of the right things. And as I said, I'm, I'm giving, I'm volunteering, I'm seeking to please him. I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm trying to keep his love for me trying to make sure I don't lose his love. And so I got I to gotta kind of keep that up. And I shift in this mentality and I lose sight of the fact that all he's ever wanted is me. All he's ever wanted is you. That's why Jesus died on the cross, not to get us to do a bunch of things for him. He's God. He doesn't need that. He wants you. He wants me. And it's not an accidental metaphor that Jesus is called the groom and we are the bride. He's jealous for you. He is passionate for you. He wants intimacy with you and with me. He wants you. Worship starts with offering myself. And this can look different ways based on your personality, based on, you know, from day to day. But for me, really, I like just starting as simple as God. I offer myself to you. Just even, even saying and then, and then letting, letting prayer rise out of that fundamental statement. God, I have desires for my, for my life. I have plans for my day. I have dreams for my family, but it's all yours. And frankly, God, all of those things that I want, none of it is more important than you. God, I offer me to you, everything that I am, all of the ways you've put me together. And friends, the beauty is when we do this, when we start by offering ourselves, everything else flows from that offering, right? So what I mean by that is, is you can offer a song without offering yourself. And that happens, right? And, and I've done that. I'm guilty. I just stand in there and being like, yeah, there's your song, God. Hope you're happy. Right? I mean, and, and, and let's just grace, right? We're all human. We're weak. We're distractible. Like, here's, here's my song, God. Um, but the reality is, you, you can offer a song without offering yourself. You cannot offer yourself without a song at some point coming out, right? So, so everything is meant to flow from that if we get the order right. And we don't think of God as this person who's checking off the boxes and saying, well, did they go to church? Well, did they give? Well, did they do that? Okay, then I love them and I approve them. That's wrong. He's like, I just want you. And everything else is meant to flow from that. And any, any, um, the, the, the beauty of this, too, is, is worship then extends past uh, a song. It, it's the story you read to your kid at bedtime. Worship is the prayer you pray for somebody who has hurt you. Worship is the conversation you take time to have in the grocery store checkout line. All of it is worship if we start by offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. Now, that... That's odd language, you know, like if you grew up with the Bible, you hear, we hear these words and we're like, oh yeah, that's a living sacrifice. That's morose. That's weird. That's Halloween, right? Like, I'm a, like there's blood everywhere, but I'm still moving. Like what, what is that? A, a living sacrifice. It, I'm sure many things could come out of that metaphor or that picture, but it at least means that it's not always roses and butterflies, 
right? It is an intentional choice to honor God, to honor others, to say, I am not as important as you are. Offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. And I think of when my wife makes amazing food all the time, or when she folds all the underwear. There's no way she enjoys that. She can't. I mean, maybe she does, but we can each think of our own um, examples, but that's where we choose. We lay ourselves down. We say, God, I am yours. And part of the sacrifice Paul references in the very beginning that, that we just read is not being conformed to this world. Does anyone else feel the pull to fall into line with what culture expects you to think and do and say, but instead, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind? And that just means allow God to bring newness into the way you think, the way you see yourself, which is, I think, the biggest problem sometimes for me the way I see others, the way I see the world. Allow God to bring newness by his presence and his word over and over like seeds being sown in the soil of our hearts. And over time, maybe you don't notice it on a daily basis, but you look back and say, I don't see things the way I used to. I don't, I don't think the way that I used to think. That's part of this sacrifice is we say, I'm not going to be conformed. I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Paul talks about the tension we feel and the pull back to this old way of living. Um, six chapters earlier, actually, in, in Romans chapter 6, he says, do not present your members, your body, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. That right there is the motivation behind all of this. He has brought us from death to life. And that is why in Romans chapter 12, which we just read, he says at the very beginning, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God. Another translation begins with the word, therefore, in view of God's mercy. What Paul is doing with the word, therefore, is he's asking us to consider everything that he's written so far in the letter. And I promise I won't read through it all. But he's talking about the gospel, and, and he goes back in, in um, let's see, chapter 1, the gospel. Not the effort of man, but the power of God. The gospel is the power of God, and the reason that's good news is because we were so far from God, we can never find our way back, Romans 2. And no one was seeking after God, Romans chapter 3. But then God reveals a righteousness that is apart from the law, that is apart from the things we can do to earn our way to God, has nothing to do with that anymore. And the way we access this righteousness, Romans 4 and 5, is by faith. I believe in what Jesus did for me. I enter into what he did. And then when Paul gets to Romans chapter 6, which I just read, he's like, because we've been raised from death to life, don't, let's not live that way anymore. Right? It doesn't even make sense to go back to that old way of living. Let's offer ourselves to him. And, and yet, I love Romans 7, how Paul then continues and he, and he admits, this is not easy. There's this struggle of the flesh. What I hate, I do. What I want to do, I can't do. And, and, and you're at the end of that chapter saying, I'm a wretched person. And man, if we stopped there, we'd be in big trouble, but we turn the page into Romans chapter 8 where we see there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news? And he goes on in Romans 8 to say the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. 
all of this, the holistic, not this shallow view of it's all going to work out, but the deep humanity and the deep mercy of God merged. And then he gets to chapter 12 and he says, therefore, in view of everything God has done to bring you back to himself, offer yourself to him. It's so important that we have that perspective. But after we offer ourselves uh, to God, after uh, I said earlier, everything else flows from that, including the gifts that God has put in you for his glory and for the good of others. And that's where Paul continues, if you're still in Romans 12. Let's keep going. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, right? Thank God for that. And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Can you say those words with me? Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, <laughs> the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is basically a theology of, of gifting based on the assumption, the, the fact rather, that we are all different and that's on purpose. That's by design. Paul begins, though, with this warning. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Now, this is not to, to put you down, um, to restrict your, your path to self-actualization or whatever. In the context, he's talking about comparing gifts. That on the one hand, we could think, I, I, I don't have that gift, man, what an amazing musician that person is. If, if I had that gift, then I could really make a difference for the kingdom. Yeah, then I could really, you know, fulfill God's purpose for me if I could speak the way that person speaks. But then on the other hand, you can have pride where you say, I'm, <laughs> I preach, no big deal. And, um, uh, but we still need people to hang with kids and pretty much anyone can do that. So we need volunteers. That's not true right? That's not true. That's, that's not what the Bible says. Every single one of us has gifts, and we are different on purpose, and we are all equally important to the function of the body. And you just look at the biology, the way we're put together to illustrate that fact. But the second thing Paul um, tells us to do, in addition to offer yourself to God, and this flows from it, is use your gifts. Use your gifts. Whatever you have, use it well. And this is where I decide I'm not going to sit back. I'm not going to ride the pine. <laughs> I'm not going to compare myself to others. I'm not going to say, if I just had that, then I could make a difference, but I am only meant to attend. No. We get up and we say, God has given me something, and I'm going to use it for his glory and for the good of others. Use your gifts. And this is so important because in church culture, um, Many people see church as, as just something to attend, and I can already feel being with you all this morning, the culture here is different. It's not that. Uh, but that is a thing, and, and it makes sense because what we call things, I, I get that there's semantics involved. Go to church. That's a valid expression, right? 
I don't say, let's go to the assembly of the brethren. Like, no, it's, let, let's go to church, right? But it, it's important to understand that, that church is not just like a, a channel we tune into once a week on our, on our Roku or Apple TV, right? Church is never described in the Bible as, as the thing that you attend. Church is defined as the people of God who have been purchased by the blood of Jesus for his glory in the world. That's what church literally is in the Bible. And so as a pastor, people will come up and ask, hey, do you have a kids program? Do you have a missions program? And that's a valid question. So I explain the administrative structures that we have for facilitating ministry in these different areas. But when someone asks if we have a kids program, what I really want to say is, yeah, you, right? And, and that's not to say like tired parents come in. I'm like, yeah, get in there and serve. Um, it's not to say everyone is called to kids ministry, the point, though, is that church is, is people, and to the extent that people are using their gifts, the church will grow, and the church will thrive and function as the body is designed to function. And um, if we're tracking with Paul here then, so he's saying offer your gifts, offer yourself rather, offer yourself to God, and then part of that is an overflow. Use your gifts, offer your gifts to him, to others. And this may mean getting involved in one of these service teams, coming up at the end and asking, hey, how can I get involved? But I want to add an important footnote to this, that Sunday morning is not the only place where your gifts are used. And I think that's, that's something sometimes the, the impression can be, this is where the magic happens, right? Like my gifts are dormant six days a week, and, and I don't get that impression here. I'm just going to say that again. Uh, but sometimes that's the feeling of like your gifts, if you don't like kids or cooking, and if you can't preach or play a guitar, you just sit and watch, and there's really nothing for you. But in, in Ephesians chapter 4, I love that it, it says the job of pastors there is not to get people to come to their church, but to equip people to go be the church, right? Our job is not to get people to come to this place where all of the magic will happen. It's to equip you to go be God's people in the world for the glory of God. And what that, what that looks like is, is recognizing every single one of us that God has strategically placed you right where you are. Maybe you love your job, maybe you hate your job. <laughs> I think there is significance to our desires. They do sometimes inform what God wants to do in us, but God has put you where you are on purpose to be light, to make a difference. And, and it's so for, it, it, as a pastor, it's, it's talking to the doctors and the nurses who are busy and saying, use your gift of mercy with the people that you interact with. Go for it. I'm here for you. How do I build you up? How do I encourage you? Teachers, it's teaching with excellence. And the point is, Sunday is where the church gathers. And I can say, yes, we do need help. Always. We need help to minister to people, to equip the saints. That's what all of this is about. But the whole point of Sunday morning is so that we can go be the people of God. I had an interesting experience as one little final thing before I move on. I was at a, a grocery store a while back, and I was talking to someone. I had a pretty good conversation. And after I walked away, I had this thought. I was like, oh, I should have invited him to church. And that's, that's okay. That's good. That's valid. Um, but I immediately heard this statement back, whether it was the Lord, whether it was me, I don't know. But it was, Micah, you are the church. And it was just an important moment for me. And it doesn't mean I would stand up and say, don't invite people to church. It just means if, if I'm walking by the Spirit and I'm using my gifts and I have a conversation with someone, they've been to church. They've actually seen Jesus in the flesh, right? And I know maybe that feels like a lot to put on you. It's meant to empower you. 
It's meant to empower me. We are the church in the world. And Paul actually says this one more verse, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple? Do you not know that God's spirit dwells in you? This assumes that we are offering ourselves to God. We're using our gifts. And then this leads to the last section, verse 9 of Romans 12. And this is my favorite section, maybe in the Bible. Um, He says this, let love be genuine. Abhor or hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor in the ESV. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Paul's on a roll here. (laughs) Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty or proud, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. (laughs) If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I recognize that's like drinking from a fire hose. There's a lot there that could be like its own series, you know? But this is, in my opinion, one of Paul's finest moments and best descriptions of what does it look like, what does it mean to love people well? What does it mean to love one another? And that is the last exhortation. Offer yourself to God, use the gifts that he's given you, and love one another. And it, it starts, this beautiful description of love starts ironically with the command to hate <laughs> what is evil. To hate what is evil. See, we can't love good. We can't love God if we don't hate what is against him, what is evil. But notice, um, he says basically, don't, don't make friends. And this goes back to verse 1 and 2. Don't make friends with the behaviors and the mindsets that are the opposite of God, the opposite of the gospel. But it's really important, Paul says, hate what is evil, not who. As for people, Paul says, love love, love one another, love one another earnestly, he says in another place. And my favorite picture of this is verse 10, where he says, outdo one another in showing honor. How many of you are, are competitive people? You consider yourself competitive. Like you like, you like to play, you know, games, but when push comes to shove, you're the one pushing and shoving. Anybody? <laughs> just for fun, how about, let's do this, just to get, just to like calisthenics. Um, how many of you like basketball? Okay, all right. Uh, football, yeah. football, baseball, I, 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 I don't know, it's America, come on, hockey, hey, we got some like enthusiastic hands go up there, uh, agnostic, that means you don't care, okay, uh, <laughs> how about all of the above, 
Okay, like huge sports fans. Um, I, I played football in high school. I really enjoy sports. I like watching it. Um, I don't watch it a ton, but I enjoy it. I played basketball a lot with my brothers. I consider myself to be a competitive person until the other person is losing. And what I mean by that is I start to feel bad. I, like I start, so I'm not a great competitor. I start to feel guilty. So I'm like, I don't, I don't, I mean, and so then maybe I, I play down a little bit, but, but I love where Paul here says, outdo one another in showing honor. See if you can, you can beat one another, compete against each other in showing honor. It's like this, it's like this upside down competition model. See who, who can out honor, out value the other person. I love that picture. Esteem each other as, as worthy. And then he gives some pictures in this chapter of what this could look like. Just a couple little, little uh, bites as, as we just read them. Contribute to the needs of the saints. That's a way to honor. It's to find out who's in need and then share what you have with those people in need. That honors people. It says you're more important. You're more important than my financial security or whatever. Another one, verse 13, he says, seek to show hospitality. You know, hospitality sometimes is like, you kind of have to have people over, it feels like, but, but he's like, I want you to proactively look for ways to invite people into your life. In hospitality, you know, you sometimes think you have to have the table set and the living room cleaned and your kids behaved and all of that stuff. I think it's way bigger than that. It's, it's let people into your life. You want to go for a hike? Let's go for a hike, Right. And he says, seek, think about ways that God has given you avenues for saying to someone else, hey, come along, join me. That honors people. It says, you're worth my time. And so if you're looking in the church for a, a multi-generational ministry program, it's all around you, right? It's you. It's you moving toward another person and saying, let's hang out. You want to come over for a meal, right? Seek to show hospitality. Verse 15 is another. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's just a picture of empathy. Enter into where people are at and stay with them there. That is honoring. It's, it's, it's holding them up. It's outdoing them, one-upping them. If, if people, and, the, and he extends it to the enemies. If they go low, you go high, right? If, if they go high, you go higher. But again, it's this flip-flop model. The, it's like if they serve you, 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 get, you get below. Um, in football, speaking of football, this is part of my head. Um, you've got uh, in, in the tackling drills, the guy would just say the lowest man wins. The lowest man wins. If you're standing up, you're going to get knocked over. If you can get lower. And that, for some reason, that image always comes to my mind when it comes to serving. Like, this person met me here. I want to I wanna, I wanna get lower. I want to push them up. And this, by the way, is, is a picture that Paul describes in Philippians chapter 2. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's me here, right? But in humility, consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, that sounds awesome, doesn't it? How many of you have a hard time doing this? For how many of you does this not come naturally? My wife shared a meme with me, speaking of when they go low, they go high, you go higher, whatever, and it says when they go low, I go medium because God's still working on me. And I, like, I just, I love that. And it, that's the reality, right, is this isn't natural. This doesn't come easily, but the, the key, I would say, if you were holding this with the rest of the chapter, is if I'm willing to offer myself to God and say, God, I'm a sacrifice, 
I'm yours, my ego, my reputation, what people think of me, what I get out of this life or my day. However, I retire like, God, it's yours. If I start with that, then it's going to be more natural to put others above myself, to honor others, to use my gifts to bless other people, even when people don't honor us back. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Can you imagine, can you imagine what it would look like in America if all Christians did this? Bless those who persecute you. What it would look like if, if we weren't dividing over masks or vaccines or politics, if instead of repaying evil for evil and meeting people in that place, we overcame evil with good? What would it look like we, to, to, to stay honorable no matter what, to, if it, as far as it depends on me, to live at peace with all people? For some of us, that means we, we get off of Facebook or Instagram, right? And that doesn't mean don't speak for what is true. Don't speak out. It just means that we value, as the church of God, we value people more than policies. We value unity in the church more than getting everyone over onto our side of every issue. It means even in extreme cases where people have hurt us, where we have been deeply wounded, we hear Paul say, beloved, by the way, that's another throwaway word sometimes about beloved. It's the reminder you are so deeply and dearly loved by the Father. And in light of that, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. It is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Friends, the sobering reality with sin is that every sin will be paid for, either by the person who committed it or Jesus at the cross. And as heavy as that thought can be when we start to think down that track, what it does actually is it sets me free to love it sets us free to love. I don't have to have anything to do with vengeance. Isn't that freeing? I don't have to try to get back at them or make them feel bad for what they did to me. I can love them because I know the gospel and I know what Jesus did to pay for sins. So these three exhortations um, hopefully empower us to, to, if they go low, we go high or at least medium, right? And they actually build on each other. The only way that we can live this radically countercultural life of love is we begin by offering ourselves to God. We use the gifts that God has given us. And this is when we will find ourselves, I believe, and I've experienced loving like he loves us, right? Blessing our enemies. Why? Not because we should or have to, but because Jesus blessed us who were his enemies, and when, when his love flows through us, we realize, man, I've got no claim on God's mercy. <laughs> and it is freeing, again, it frees us up to love as Jesus has loved us. And I just want to say, which I always feel compelled to say in church contexts when we're gathered together, is, is this is not a work that you do, it's a work that he does in you. And that's why it doesn't start with a checklist, it starts with an offering. Jesus I can't love that person. Start there. Just be honest. I don't have it. I don't have it, God. There's no way I can love that person. That's a beautiful and honest admission. 
And that's what it looks like to offer yourself to him. I shared an example earlier, um, and I just want to invite our worship team forward as we close and, and maybe give us an opportunity to practice this morning, at least just the first one of these, offering ourselves to God. And I shared a little earlier some words that maybe this is how it would come out of my mouth, um, just simply saying, God, I offer myself to you, my dreams, whatever. But I, I want this to be true to what God is doing in you right now and how he has made you uh, personally. But as um, the music begins to play, I thought we would just start with this question. Should I scoot? Let me scoot over. That's, this is what I'm going to do. And you can just kind of, if you want to close your eyes, you want to, uh, whatever you're comfortable doing, start with this question, God, I offer myself to you. Just between you and him, I offer myself to you. Start with a simple prayer. Even your, your breathing, the, the exhale, the inhale, the exhale is a picture of Lord. It's all yours. Even the breath that's in my lungs right now, God, is a gift. And then I would encourage you as a follow-up to that to just ask a question, God, is there any area of my life that I'm not offering to you right now. And I recognize this is scary. Even thinking about this this week was scary for me. It's the fear of, well, what will he say? But you know what, guys? Because we are beloved, because we are dearly and deeply loved by the Father and our, our salvation has been purchased by the blood of Jesus and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, not a hint of shame. Any time for a believer, for a follower of Jesus. We can ask these questions and know that he is for us. So just asking God, is, is there an area of my life that maybe I'm not even seeing that I'm not offering to you? Maybe it is the way you use your money. Maybe it has to do with your time. Maybe it's entertainment choices. And even as I say that, the goal of this is not to come up with a list of things that I'm not going to do ever again. I feel like that's law. <laughs> the goal is worship. God, I offer myself to you. Even this area where I have no clue what you would want me to do. It's yours. God, renew my mind in this area. Shape me by your spirit and your presence. Lord, we ask in this time that you might even reveal giftings that we have not seen before, that we have not appreciated, that maybe we have been comparing ourselves to someone else, and because in our minds we don't add up to that person, we just have told ourselves we don't have anything to offer. Jesus, would you peel back the layers of, of comparison and the weight of that and shine the light of your love on those gifts? By your Holy Spirit, illuminate those things that have been dormant in us. Wake them up. And God, it could be just the gift of intercession. It could be the gift of mercy. God, help us to use those gifts well. Finally, God, I ask that you would give love, your love for us this morning. 
love that we've never had before for people that we've never been able to love before. If we believe that you're telling us the truth here, God, we also know that you will provide above and beyond what we ask or think or need. So we ask for your love to fill us where we don't have it. 